Hey guys, what's up? Yeah, I apologize if I seem a little out of it. I just got off work about two hours ago and um, just got home about uh, just about an hour ago. Actually, about uh, 52, 51 minutes ago, actually. Just got in the door 51 minutes ago. Um, it'll be an hour, you know, <laughs> way over an hour after this video is done. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was my uh, first full day, eight-hour day, if you will. And uh, I'll say this about working on the floor of the distribution centers and, and everything, you know, where I'm at right now, you know, it does make the time go by fast. And depending on where you are, you don't really have a clock in your face. I mean, you do have one off in the distance, but not like in your face or anything. Um but yeah, it did make the day go by fast, and then tomorrow's gonna be like the real, real full day, you know, on the floor. I mean, it was. I mean, basically, this was the first first full fledged day, you know, six to two thirty, uh, and you know. But basically, it was mostly just, you know, like the first part of it, like the first hour, if you will, hour and a half, if you, well, not hour and a half, but the first. Yeah, I would say about first uh, two hours, almost hour and a half, uh, two, almost two hours, first two hours, if you will, uh, was uh, in the was in the orientation classroom, you know, uh, watching videos and you know meeting the leaders and and all that, and um, yeah, that was uh, that was about it. Um, so after that, we went to the floor, got trained. Still going to be doing some training tomorrow. Maybe back in the classroom again. We'll see. But yeah, I could tell you, even for that short time on the floor, which, you know, it did feel like it went by fast. Whew. Uh, now I know why my sister told me it's going to feel like you walk 10 miles. Because it does. <laughs> you know, mostly on your thighs and everything. But it does help, you know, build your muscles and and everything. So, you know, I'm, 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 just, I'm just happy to be working again, that's all. But what I'm really here to talk about is all out, I mean, all in London. And mostly what's come out, out of it, because there are numerous reports out there about what happened afterwards. And it's like, you know, it, it seems that AEW, you know, it, it's like for ev every positive they have, especially in, especially in the case of All In, there's always going to be a negative to counter that. And uh, it's like, you know, they just can't catch a break when it comes to these kind of scenarios. So without that, so with that said... Let's talk about All in London, shall we? Let's talk about that. Okay, so I didn't watch Zero Hour, but I did hear about it. And I did hear about one moment on uh, with one of the matches on Zero Hour that we'll talk about, you know, after I talk about the card. Uh, but apparently Zero Hour really just got people at Wembley Stadium and watching at home, you know, in the mood for this event. So... You know, that was good on AEW's part. Um, the fact that we have a... And the fact that they crowned two new champions there, which was really cool. Uh, we have new... We have uh, Hook, once again, the FTW champion. And then you have uh, Better Than You, Bebe, Adam Cole, Adam Cole and MJF as the new Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. You know, beating Aussie Open. So, that's kind of cool. We'll see how long they have run as champions because... If what we got in the main event is any indication of what could happen, you know, something is going to 
something is really going to be, you know, shaken up on screen when it comes to, you know, AEW, you know, start with this story in a, in a way that people probably won't expect. But besides that, let's talk about the act, the official pay-per-view card. We started out with, and, and what's kind of ironic is, you know, the match order of these, of all these matches, how they went. So we start off with CM Punk and Samoa Joe for the real world's championship, the real AEW world championship in CM Punk's case. And these two had a, a I'll put it this way, these two had a very physical, stiff match. Um, but, you know, it seemed like Joe, most for most of the match, was dominating. And it took CM Punk pulling out his his first ever fin- his first major finisher, the Pepsi Plunge, basically a top row pedigree, to to beat Samoa Joe and retain the title. But yeah, it was a very physical, stiff match. Uh, the next match after that was the uh, six man tag with Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page, and Kota Ibushi versus Bullet Club Gold members Juice Robinson and Jay White and. Kanishko and Kanishka and Kanishku Kanishka Kanishku uh, basically I can't even pronounce his name right now I do apologize Takeshita Kanishku Takeshita you know with Don Callis you know at his side and this was a, a good six man it was up and it was back and forth it was back and forth and uh, in the end Takeshita did end up pinning Kenny Omega was a roll-up, but he held the tights to, to win the match. You know, so as a result, we found out during the media scrum, the post-press conference, or the post-all-in London uh, uh, press conference, that we're going to have Takeshita versus Omega at, um, at All Out. So that's going to be pretty cool. And then after that, we had the Young Bucks taking on FTR for the tag team titles and this was a good match really good match the meshing I mean what I don't know what it is but these two teams in the meshing of their different ring styles they they always seem to have good chemistry when it comes to that and it was back and forth you, you know it looked it definitely looked like at times the Bucks were going to win but in the end FTR won and what's interesting is FTR extending their hands you know for the Bucks to shake out of respect but the Bucks, you know, they didn't want to do it. And I think it's not because they didn't want to. You know, I'm sure they would have if FTR wasn't, you know, tied friendship-wise uh, to CM Punk. I think if CM Punk was not in the picture, they probably would have, you know, sh- uh, shook um, FTR's hands. Then we had the Stadium Stampede match. I think that was what was up next. And this was between... Uh, the Black Bull Combat Club, you know, Will Yuta, Claudio Castanore, and John Moxley teaming with Pride and Powerful, who apparently I'm not too, I'm not, you know, I'm not so-so on the same page, you know, as everybody thinks, but, you know, are willing to work together, and, you know, and that being Satana and Ortiz. And they, and they took on the best friends, you know, uh, Chuck Taylor, Trent Barretta, and Orange Cassidy teaming up with Pet- Peta El Zero, uh, who came out later on as Penta El Scaro, and Eddie Kingston. 
and this match went everywhere. It went into the uh, uh, the bar area at Wembley Stadium. It went up to the top area, top steps, you know, balconies. You know, basically, it was violent. It was violent beyond belief. You had John Moxley trying to use skewers on Penta, but then Penta turned the tie, put him on Moxley. You had uh, barbed wire chairs involved. You had Orange Cassidy at the towards the end of the match, taping up his fist, but putting the tape in reverse to where whatever he puts on it sticks, and putting his hand, putting his hand into a into a bucket where he basically smashed a bottle of glass. And obviously it had to be a sugar bottle of glass, but he broke it and put it on his hand, and then. Towards the end of the match, he nailed Claudio with it to get the win. But Eddie, his main thing was he wanted Claudio. And, you know, basically just like before when Eddie was involved in Anarchy in the Arena, Eddie, you know, and he came out, you know, all bloody with a uh, with gasoline and everything in his hand. Uh, basically, this time around, he came out with a barbed wire chair. He hit Claudio in the back with it, he was going to do it again, but John stopped him, and Eddie was just like, okay, screw it, the only way I'm going to get you out of the picture is to superior you into a barbed wire board, which he did, which allowed um, Orange Cassidy to hit a glass-filled Superman punch, you know, on Claudio to get the win, so obviously they're still building on this Eddie Kingston, Claudio Castellone uh, feud, rivalry, and everything, I mean, Obviously, we got to know. We got to know exactly what's going on with Claudio, what's going on with Castanori. You know, I mean, not Claudio, not Castanori, I'm sorry, like I said, I'm tired. I do apologize. But with Eddie and Claudio, we got to find out. We got to find out, like, what is it that Eddie has against Claudio that Claudio doesn't want to admit to? We got to figure that out. We got to figure that out. Uh, We did have the fatal four-way for the women's championship between... Siraya, Tony Storm, Hikaru Shida, and Britt Baker. Good match. Obviously, there is tension with the outcast because Tony Storm apparently needs to be a champion to keep her sanity. Because apparently, after she lost the title, she's gone off the deep end. So, so obviously, she needs a championship. And, well, that's not going to be the case now because Soraya, believe it or not, is the new women's champion. Uh, you know, and everybody is happy about this. Everybody has said that this is just proof that never say never to somebody like Soraya or even to an extent someone like Edge or even a Daniel Bryan who you say will never be able to, you know, do what they love again, but yet here they are doing it. And, uh, and by, and by doing it, they actually accomplished what you, you know, something even more and that's becoming a champion and that's what Soraya did. Um, what's interesting though and Soraya came out to We Will Rock You by Queen. She came out with her family, including the original Soraya Knight, you know, and everything, So, which is her mom. So obviously you knew that out of any of the outcasts involved in this match, which was, her, which was herself and Tony Storm, Soraya was going to be the de facto babyface. And she was. She was. And what happened is that what happened is that both tried to go for the pinfall, and so and it's like Soraya's like, "What are you doing? You know, let me win this." And you know, and again, the the storyline with Tony is she's lost her mind. 
she's gone cuckoo. And basically, it got to a point where Tony's like, hey, I'm still on your side. You know, I'm still on your side, and I'll, and I'll prove it. To where, uh, during the match, Soraya Knight had uh, Soraya's mom. You know, I think that's her name, Soraya Knight. Maybe it's Sarah Knight. I can't. Sarah Knight, I think it is. I'm not really sure. But Soraya's mom was holding, I think it was Britt or Hokaro. I, I don't know who it was. But she was holding them for Tony Storm to hit. And Tony Storm, you know, as she's whittling back, ends up hitting Soraya's mom instead. You know, she doesn't stop like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, after I think it was either Hakaru or Britt that ducked. You know, she didn't stop. She just went, bam. And Soraya saw this and she got pissed. And, so, and her mom wanted to get out of Tony Storm. So, you know, so yeah, obviously there is dissension. I'm guessing whoever is booking the Outcast storyline, they're realizing, yeah, this isn't really working, you know, at all. You know, obviously this is, you know, not going according to plan. So maybe it's best we just break you guys up. And, you know, that's what it looks like they're doing. That's what it looks like they're going to do. Unless Ruby, because Ruby Soho tried to come out to uh, basically, you know, you know, uh, put peace between them and make them understand, hey, it doesn't matter who has the title as long as we have it, right? But what happened is Tony Storm, because again, storyline-wise, she's not all there. Tony Storm ends up hitting Ruby Soho, and Ruby just leaves. She's like, screw this shit, you know, screw this crap, you know. So, I, so obviously, the, here's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Storyline-wise, Ruby and Soraya are still in the outcast. Because some people think, oh, Soraya's out of the outcast. Because the way Soraya won is that Britt had Hikaru Shida in the lockjaw, you know, for the tap-out. And Soraya ended up basically uh, sp uh, spraying the green, sc uh, green uh, spray paint in Tony Storm's eyes. And then hitting her with Nightfall, which originally was called Rampage. And she ends up winning the match. Now, you know, again, now, again, what's interesting, now, again, like I said, what's interesting about that is she's the one that's put the green, spray, uh, uh, pray, she's the one that put the green spray paint in Tony Storm's eyes. So one would think, you know, she would be out of the, out of the group because, you know, she did this and essentially she's the de facto babyface and became a babyface out of this, right? Nope. I think what's going to happen, in my opinion, is the outcast is still going to be a thing. But it's going to be Tony Storm that's going to be on the outside looking in unless she gets some help. That's what I think they're heading for. I think the storyline will be, hey, you want to stay in the group, Tony? Get your mind straight. Get your mind together. And I think that's what's going to happen. Like, except the fact that you had your run as champion. Now let Soraya have hers and let me be, you know, uh, the TBS champion because that's the title Ruby's going to go after. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Soraya is the new uh, champion. Uh, we also had Sting and Darby Allen against Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland in a coffin match. Good match and everything. Uh, and you know, just like with um, you know, just like with the tag match, you know, it got you guessing as to who was going to win. You know, towards the end, but you know, in the end, Sting and Darby Allen ended up winning. And what I did like about this is at the beginning, you have you have this little uh, vignette of, of Sting and Darby 
you know, on the streets of, on the streets of London, kind of cosplaying a little bit like, you know, Watson and Holmes, right? And then, as soon as that's done, all of a sudden you hear this, basically, Tony Khan got back Sting's old Metallica, you know, entrance music from WCW. That's what he did. Seek and Destroy, that's what it's called. He got that. I was like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, that's Sting's old WCW entrance on music. He has his own music from WCW. And I just loved it. And everybody else saw that, heard that too. But yeah, in the end, uh, Sting and Darby Allen win by putting Swerve um, in the coffin. And yeah, it was a good match. And it does set up, you know, more uh, of tension a more story intention for Luchasaurus and, Dar- and Darby Allen uh, this Sunday at All Out. Now, with that said, the next match was Chris Jericho, Will Ospreay. Jericho uh, sang himself to the ring thanks to his band, Fozzie, sang Judas. Ospreay come out, came out and everything. And what's interesting is to build upon the story that was already you know being built, built upon this on Dynamite, uh, over the past two weeks, is you had Jericho show up under a mask, a callback to the first All-In, where he attacked Kenny Omega after Kenny's match was uh, Penta. And Jericho, again, under a mask, comes out, you know, doing the Rev Pro anniversary show the night before, and attacks Will Ospreay. And even the announcers were like, as soon as they you know saw the Code Breaker and then the Judas Effect, or the Code Breaker, basically... First, they're like, oh, it can't be, it can't be. He takes his mask off, and they're like, it is. It's Jericho. And then he hits uh, Osprey with the Judas Effect. So, to help, you know, further along the story, you know, here, um, you know, here at All in London. And it was a good match, despite how people may have felt about this being a match that Osprey was going to have instead, of, you know, you know, and, you know, was going to have with Jericho instead of with Omega. It was a good match, and in the end, Osprey ended up winning clean. Don Callis, who came out to ringside with Osprey, um, did not interfere, you know, because Jericho came out with Sammy Guevara, and in the end, Osprey won. He won the match. And what's crazy is Guevara actually interfered behind the referee's back more so than uh, Callis did. So, in a way, Jericho was kind of like the de facto heel. Even though he was wrestling more like the babyface. So, you know, Jericho ends up losing. And then what happened afterwards is Sammy tries to help him to his feet. You know, tries to give him a hug. Like, hey, it's going to be alright. Just one loss. But Jericho shoves him aside and then walks off like, you know, this could be it. Like, like basically he's got to contemplate, you know, is he probably exactly what a lot of fans and critics say he is. Like, maybe he's... You know, his time is done, and he needs to hang it up. We'll see. We'll see. Um, then, we get to our main event. I don't know if I missed any matches here. I, I don't think I did. I don't think I missed any matches, guys. Let me let me double check. I don't, I don't think I did. No, I don't, I don't think I did. Let me, let me, let me check. I want to make sure. Go to Wikipedia here. I want to make sure. So. Okay. 
Okay, talked about Punk and Joe, talked about the Six Man, talked about FTR, talked about Stadium Stampede, Surreya, Darby, Will. Okay, so we don't get to our main event yet, but we do get to Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed defeating the House of Black. That's right. The House of Black was a, consisting of Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews with Julia Hart, who came out with a lantern to pay tribute to uh, Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda. Um... And all the fans, as soon as it got dark, and Nigel McGinnis even brought it up, that the Fireflies were out. You know, they were out and about. Um, but yeah, this was, a, this was a good match. It was no holds barred because, you know, the House of Black uh, house rules when they were defending the titles is, you know, the opponents can name the stipulation. And uh, basically, uh, House of Bla uh, basically, the acclaimed got to choose uh, No Holds Bar, Billy Gunn did, who came back as badass Billy Gunn, not daddy ass. And it was a good match, and in the end, Billy Gunn and the Acclaim become the new trios champions, and you have the House of Black take the belts away from them, only to hand them to them out of respect. Like, hey, you did what you said you were going to do, you've earned our respect. But what was interesting is Julia Hart, throughout this match, Tried her best to intervene, you know, basically try to make sure the belts wouldn't leave. She even pulled out Aubrey Edwards and got in her face and goes like, ah, 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 you know, or something like that. So, obviously, if there is kind of any repercussion here because of the loss, it'll be at the hands of Julia Hart, who I think has become more corrupted than the House of Black would have wanted. But yeah, Billy Gunn and the acclaimed wind, they do a a Sesame Daddy uh, moment, which the acclaimed promise they would do at All In. And that's about it. Then we get to our main event, MJF and Adam Cole. And this match was more about the story of a friendship between Maxwell and Adam, more than, so than the title. But it was good. I mean, both men did prove that they will pull out all the stops. They will pull out all the stops to become champion. They will break any rule they can. And it seemed basically Adam Cole was playing more of the heel than MJF, which was kind of a surprise. Uh, but there was, you know, there were a lot of moments to where it's like, you know, would MJF go back to his old tricks, use the dynamite, uh, or the, uh, the dynamite, the, dim the, the diamond dynamite ring, if you will, or the dynam dynamite diamond, if you will, to, to win. Would he do this? Would he do not? You know, would he... Would he uh, tombstone Adam Cole on a on the announce table? You know, basically MJF was playing up the conflictiveness of, you know, he's being accepted now as who he is. You know, he's being accepted not just by the fans, but by Adam Cole as a friend for who he is, and everything, a scumbag and all that. You know, so he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. You know, he doesn't want to uh, ruin that. He doesn't want to ruin that. So we had a couple of moments. You know, to where you didn't know what was going to, you know, happen, who was going to turn. Uh, we had a false finish where both went with a double, double clothesline, did a double pin. Adam Cole's like, no, can't end this way. Maxwell, we need five more minutes. Max is, you know, MJF's like, no, and you're thinking he's going to back away. And he says, but then he goes up and says, no, Adam, five more minutes is not enough. These people deserve a winner. You know, we'll go in a full-fledged tenor until there's a pinfall or whatever. Basically, until there's an actual winner, I think he said. And that's what they did. 
That's what they did. And out came Roderick Strong. Roderick tried to get Adam Cole to, you know, you know, uh, do use the belt to do this to do that. Adam would not do it. He would not do it, and it basically did cost him in the end because Maxwell ended up rolling him up clean for the win, and it did look like there was going to be a breakup, a dissension at the end, and all that, you know, to where Maxwell's like, you know, he's saying, oh, is this what it's really about, the championship, and he throws the championship at him. He throws the AEW championship at him, and he's like, he just turns his back and everything, just like Adam Cole did to him a couple weeks ago. And here you have Roderick Strong coming back out saying, you know, use the belt. Hit him. Hit him. You know, it looks like Adam's going to do it, but Adam can't. And instead he just turns back to Roderick and they hug. And they end up remaining friends as the show uh, goes off the air. And again, the storytelling is what really helped this match out more so than anything, in my opinion. And everybody has agreed with that. Like, the match was good. You know, the match was good, but the storytelling is what really you know, elevated it to that next level. It really did. So, yeah, you know, they're, they're still friends. They're going to remain as the, you know, as friends, as the tag team champs. However long that's going to be, we do not know, but we'll see. But it does look like if somebody does turn, it's going to involve Roderick Strong and the Kingdom, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. And a lot of people are saying that if, you know, and I... Well, not saying, but a lot of people are looking at the fact that, well, Adam Cole has history as part of the kingdom back in Ring of Honor and in the Indies and everything. You know, he has history with Roderick Strong in NXT as part of Undisputed Error. So it's like, you know, who's he going to side with? You know, who's going to who, who is he going to side with? He's going to keep being friends with MJF or is the kingdom and Roderick Strong going to convince him, hey, this is where you belong. We'll help you become the champ you need to be. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Or will Roderick Strong help you know them form a new kingdom along with Maria? We'll have to see. But uh, yeah, it was a good match. Really good match, and can't wait to see. Um, can't wait to see what they do with this um, down the road as we go into all out this Sunday, and mostly as we head into full gear. Because I guarantee you, we go into full gear. That is when you're going to get your answer as to whether or not better than you, baby, stays friends, stay tag team champions, or we're going to have a backstabbing. You know, so we'll see. But overall, I thought the show was good. Uh, I do do have to tip my hat, if I was wearing one of my hats, to AEW for selling out Wembley Stadium and getting over 81,000 plus in there, mostly 82,000 we should say. Uh, but I do know some people will be critical. Like some people will say, "Well, how do they? How do we know they did eighty-one thousand plus or eighty-two thousand there? You know, um, actually, how do how do we know that? Because when we look at the padding shots, sometimes we see these empty sections and everything. And look, you know, just because you saw empty sections doesn't mean they weren't filled. Because as we saw during the Stadium Stampede match, you know, they had to be empty because there was going to be some, you know, um. You know some competitiveness, some fighting up there, you know, with the uh, uh, you know with the participants in that match. So, so obviously, you know, you know, so obviously you can't you you can't really um, you know say it wasn't completely sold out. Maybe those seats did get filled up later on, 
you know, and everything by by some of the uh, audience and everything because there was audience members in the uh, concession areas uh, doing that match, watching uh, the watching people like Claudio and Eddie fight out in the you know fight out in that structure or fight out in that area. So, whether or not it was an actual sellout or it wasn't, they have nothing to be ashamed of. You know, actual worldwide record attendance. You know that they set. Whether you believe that or not, that's up to you. Uh, whether they're inflating it like WWE does, you know, that's up to you to believe. But no matter how you look at it, that is impressive no matter what. It is impressive. It really is. And one of the big news factors that came out of that is you had Mercedes Monet, a.k.a. Sasha Banks, in attendance, sitting there, and she got showcased a lot during this. You know, from zero hour to the end, she got showcased a lot. So it does feel, and there are reports by FIFO Select and others that she is in talks, you know, negotiations to appear, not be officially signed full time, but to appear probably down the line for AEW. How, how and when that will be, we'll have to see. It could be tomorrow night on Dynamite. It could be this Saturday on Collision. We'll see. We'll see, but it seems that she is going to be working with them soon. Maybe not as a full-time roster member, but someone that will show up when needed. Now, speaking of other news that came out of it, during the press conference, uh, not during the press conference, but towards the end of the show, Excalibur did announce, and it became official, All In London is coming back next year on Sunday, August 25th, which is my mom's birthday uh, next year. So, yeah, they are coming back to London for All In again. Um, you know, at Wembley Stadium, which I guess they're now going to make into their WrestleMania. You know, that's going to be their WrestleMania uh, for the, you know, for the year. Like, you know, WrestleMania is in the spring for WWE. All In's going to be all, AEW's WrestleMania during this, you know, towards the end of the summer. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But what's but what's kind of a an asterisk as well to that is just like this year, it's going to go back to back with All Out. So just like this year, you have all in. You had all in this past Sunday, and you're having all out this Sunday. They're going to do the same thing uh, next year. But what's interesting as well is that during the press conference, uh, Tony Khan announced that they are going to have another pay per view in Seattle called Wrestle Dream, which was a New Japan, which was originally a New Japan. Um, and, and uh, which was originally a New Japan uh, show name that I think Antonio, the late Antonio Noki came up with, and that is why Tony Khan's doing it. He wants to do it as a tribute to Antonio, and apparently you're going to have participants from New Japan, you know, as a part of it as well. Which means we could get, which means we're going to get Okada, uh, Tanahashi, you know, Sonata. We're going to get them all. We're going to get them all. Now, what's interesting is later on in the day, we had Impact Wrestling's Emergence uh, iPay-Per-View, IPP, IPP, IPPV, IPPV. We had that. We had Emergence. And it was at the end of Emergence, they announced Will Ospreay's going to be at Bound for Glory. <laughs> so, basically, to, you know, and here's the one thing about Impact. It doesn't matter if it's WWE or AEW. If there's anybody that used to be part of the company in some capacity, 
almost instantly they will put up a match of them or a best of video on their YouTube channel, their social media channels, you know, to capitalize off that. So here they're capitalizing off the fact that, okay, Will Ospreay got the biggest victory of his career, one of them anyway, on, in front of the biggest crowd he's ever been in and been, you know, been in front of, you know, he's got the biggest victory of his career over Chris Jericho. T, you know, TNA, now known as Impact Wrestling, said, okay, we're going to take advantage of that and say, oh, by the way, folks, Will Ospreay is going to be a bound for glory. <laughs> yeah, so, so there you go. So there you go. Um, but yeah, the, but yeah, oh, but yeah, um, th those are the uh, report, those are the announcements made by Tony Khan and by extension Impact Wrestling <laughs> later on during, at the end of their show. Uh, to coincide with the success of All In. Now, unfortunately, though, there was news that came out of All In, and even during All In, and even before the actual show uh, itself uh, happened, and everybody's been talking about it, and there's been conflicting reports about what's been going on, but during the Zero Hour, during the Jack Perry-Hook match, Jack, because uh, Hook, it was under FTW rules, for the FTW Championship, basically anything goes, any anything goes, pinfalls count anywhere, whatever. And uh, they were fighting near a car, and Jack Perry, after he, I don't know what he did, he suplexed a hook or something onto the car, or or something. He pats on the glass window of the front of the car. He pats on it, looks in the camera, and says, "Hey, we're real glass. Cry me a river." And this was intentionally a shot at CM Punk. And why it was a shot at CM Punk is because there was an altercation about a month ago or so at Collision where Jack Perry let it be known he wanted to, because I don't know what it, I don't know if it was uh, during his feud with Luchasaurus or with Chris, Luchasaurus and Christian or something, but he let it be known he wanted to use real glass. He wanted to use real glass to. Uh, basically take himself out because he had requested time off, vacation, whatever. But I guess he didn't get it or, you know, something happened. And CM Punk got on him and said, dude, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. And it wasn't just CM Punk that got on him, but so did the doctors and other people. They said, no, man, you can't do that. It's not a good idea. So obviously Jack, not happy with CM Punk, basically, you know, being the boss when he really isn't, uh, you know, of, you know, what, you know, Jack could or could not do, decided to take a shot at Punk by saying that and then allowing himself to be suplexed onto the, onto the window. This, of course, caused an altercation between him and Punk backstage, where, again, the conflicting reports are, you know, are either Jack Perry stepped up to Punk and got choked out for it, or Punk took a swing at him and everything, you know, just back and forth. Uh, so what happened is that, Apparently, both ended up being suspended. Both ended up being suspended, but the, again, it's conflicting reports. You have Sports Illustrated and Brian Alvarez saying they were both Punk and Jack Perry were suspended. You have other people, people's like PW Insider saying they're not. You have Five Full Select saying saying stuff. It's like it's just conflicting back and forth. And like I said earlier, for every positive this company has. There's always going to be a negative to counteract it, and this is that major negative. And it's, and it happens not even a year after me, the media scrum brawl out. 
So it's like, what is going on here? And there are reports of CM Punk saying he hates this place, referring to AEW, threatening to quit, telling, you know, telling uh, Tony Khan he's going to quit, you know, having to, you know, take a, you know, a train to back to his hotel because nobody wanted to ride with him or stuff like that. Nobody, oh, nobody was at the, you know, uh, stadium to greet him from the roster. You know, just, just all kinds of, all, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, crazy reports going back and forth here. And Tony Khan basically did acknowledge that he did, that something did happen, but they want to make sure they gather all the evidence. But again, this is, this is where Tony Khan needs to step up to be a boss. I will agree with that because you can't just act like a fan and be like, yeah, I heard, and basically you're only, and the only thing you're going to say on it is, yeah, we did hear something happen, but uh, we'll let you know more about what happened when it does. And then you have all these conflicting reports coming out of, you know, they've been suspended. They've not been suspended. Jack Perry's been suspended. Punk's not suspended. You know, Jack Perry got sent home, which he actually did when Punk got to stay, you know, at the stadium. Da, da, da. It's just, you know, it's just like, you know, somewhere in the middle is the truth. Somewhere in the middle is the truth. And hopefully we'll, we will find out. But, you know, the, the obvious question a lot of fans have, and if anybody has, is why doesn't Tony Khan, you know, you know, do something about this? Why doesn't he just come out, put his foot down, you know, to Jack Perry and CM Punk, let them know, hey, I'm the boss, you do what I say and everything, and I say you stop the squabbling right now and put this to rest before you both lose your jobs. You know, people, you know, people are wondering why he doesn't do that. You know, why doesn't he stand up and be a real boss? You know, and even confirm, yeah, this did happen. And we're going to see, or we're going to look into it and find out who's really at fault. You know, it's like, you know, what is going on here, right? And... I think the reason is, and I'm sure people might might agree with me, maybe not. I think the reason is, you know, that Tony Khan doesn't come out and say something, is he doesn't want his company to look bush league, especially coming off one of the biggest attended events in the history of AEW, if not the history of pro wrestling. They don't want to come off as bush league, you, you know, and everything, you know. So he's not gonna, so he's not gonna come out and say anything. You know, to where it makes him look like he can't control or run his own company. You know, because if he comes out and says something, again, like I said, it's going to make him look like, you know, it's going to make AEW, I should say, look Bush League, despite the success they had on Sunday. You know, so hopefully we get a straight answer before All Out, because people are expecting, people are expecting CM Punk to be at All Out, because All Out's going to be in Chicago at the United Center. So, you know, Tony Khan, he's got to, you know, he's got to step up and be a real boss here because, you know, again, I understand you don't want your, you don't want your comp company look bush, you know, look minor leagues, bush league, look like a t-shirt company like everybody, including Paul Levesque has called it, despite its success. You, you know, you don't want it to look like that and you don't want to look like, make it look like you can't, you know, control your company or run it properly. So you're not going to say anything directly into, you know, directly, so all you're going to say is, you know, something did happen and we're looking into it. And, but, but here's the thing, Tony, and everybody will agree with this, by coming out and saying, hey, we did, something did happen and we're going to look into it, we'll get more, we're going to give you more information, information down the line, you know, coming up with that excuse, despite what, what was already said, 
you know, talked about even doing the event. It's like, just, you know, just be honest with your, just be honest with your people. That's, that's all people, that's all, that's all anybody has. Just be honest, you know, just be honest, you know, and say, yeah, you know, Phil Brooks and Jack Perry got into an altercation, and that's all I'm going to say for right now until we figure out who's at fault. That's all you have to say. But because of that, you know, now you have to put an asterisk next to all in London. You know, yeah, it was a success. Yeah, they said, you know, an attendance record and everything. But now you have to put an asterisk, you know, next to it because of what happened backstage. And because of what happened, now both men are suspended, possibly, or or not. We'll have to see. Again, conflicting reports, you know, are making this company look more Bush League than they should, especially after the success they've had. But anyway, though, guys, I just wanted to come on here. Like I said, I'm sorry if I, I feel like I'm out of it and everything. Like I said, I work today. But I want to do finally do a review on All In London, and as well as, the talk, as well as to give my thoughts on the announcements for its return to Rimbley Stadium next year. You know, the announcement of Wrestle Dream, uh, you know, uh, in October. The announcement, you know, in, you know, I wanted to give my thoughts on Impact Wrestling, taking advantage of Osprey beating Jericho to announce that at the end of this show, Osprey is going to be a battle of glory. And also give you my thoughts on what's going on here with the whole CM Punk Jack Perry situation. So, 